Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today for B2B Marketing Needs, Don Draper is David Tiltman. He's the SVP of content for Walk. They provide the latest evidence, expertise, and guidance to make marketers more effective. Their clients include the world's largest advertising and media agencies, research companies, universities, and advertisers. Walk features advertising case studies and best practice from more than 50 respected industry sources, including Can Lion, the IPA, and the DMA. So David Tiltman, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Good to be here, Stuart. So first off then, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? I'm assuming this is a family podcast, so I better keep it clean. But I think for me, being a bit more Don Draper means having real confidence in our ideas and really believing in the power of what marketers do. Great stuff. So why is now a good time to be in B2B marketing? So I think there's two reasons, uh, which I'd sort of summarize as growth and uh, opportunity. So if you look at the sectors and the areas that are growing in terms of advertising investment, they are they lean into B2B. So we did some work at the end of last year that looked at the size of different categories and their growth rates. And areas like financial services, utilities and telecoms, tech companies, you know, all these, all these areas that have significant B2B. Uh, interests, if you like, they are bigger than what you might call classic marketing categories like packaged goods, food, drink, those sorts of things, and they grow more quickly. So B2B is in a good space in terms of uh, being a, a growing uh, growing part of the marketing sector, and there's, there's more and more interest in how B2B marketers sort of operate. Now, the other side of it is opportunity. So it's not just about money. It's also about the types of uh, the types of activity available to a B2B marketer. Um, we've seen a huge amount of new thinking in the B2B space. Obviously, our friends at the B2B Institute have driven a lot of that. Um, we've The report we're going to come on to talk about does a bit of this. And we're seeing growing interest in creative thinking, creative brand building within the B2B space. Um, and partly that's that's because of the disruption due to the pandemic. We did some work last year that looked at um, how B2B marketers had responded to the pandemic and responded to, in many ways, the disruption to events, which has been a classic B2B marketing strategy. All of a sudden, marketers are having to think differently, think in new ways, look for different ways to to reach their audiences. So um, I think it's a really good time now to be in B2B for those two reasons. It's it's a really fast-growing part of the overall marketing sector, and there's lots of new thinking coming into it. Fascinating. And, and back in 2021, uh, Walk published a white paper called the B2B Effectiveness Code. Can you tell us a little bit about the research, the method, the findings of that report? Yeah, of course. Cool. So um, 
Shall I'll take you back even further, if I may, into into 2020. So in 2020, we released the original effectiveness code white paper with a researcher called James Herman. Uh, he's based in, in New Zealand. Um, and in partnership with our, our sister company, Can Lions. And this was an attempt, it was a sort of result of a two-year project to really try and understand the effectiveness market, if you like, uh, and some of the frustrations that that people felt with it. Because we were getting a real sense that that the world of effectiveness, if you like, and the way it was awarded and uh, uh, and sort of tracked was not really cutting it for clients and agencies. And one of the big pieces of feedback we got from that uh, research piece was about the lack of definition around effectiveness. So we were saying, look, everyone has a different definition of effectiveness. Clients and agencies are talking at cross purposes when they when they're talking about effectiveness. You know, what does it mean to be effective? You know, we think we know, but actually, if you've got different definitions of that word between different parties, then actually you can be talking at cross purposes. Absolutely. And so what we did was we actually we actually tried to create a framework that would help people understand the different types of effect that marketing communications drives. Um, mm-hmm. And that became in this original this original paper in 2020, what we call the creative effectiveness ladder. Now, I appreciate we're on a podcast, so it's quite hard to, you know, describe a, a graphic uh, framework, but it, it's effectively a hierarchy of six um, steps or six rungs of a ladder, if you like. And they range from sort of the least impactful to the most impactful from from a sort of long-term commercial standpoint. And what we were trying to do is say, look, anything on this anything on this ladder can be considered effective. You know, there's there's nothing on here that isn't worth having, if you like. But some effects are be- some effects are better in a sort of long-term commercial sense than others. So in in the original ladder, we we looked at the very sort of bottom at things like campaign effects, like social shares and, and all the rest of it, right up to the very top, which is talking about multi-year profit growth. So you between them, you've got a number of rungs which uh, relate to different types of effects and different types of impact. So we'd established that, but that was largely for the B2C audience. And what we did is um, in 2021 is work with the B2B Institute to say, well, if we were to look at just B2B campaigns, and we managed to isolate about 430-odd campaigns in the Walk database to review, if we just looked at B2B campaigns, what would a B2B ladder look like? Would it look the same? Would it look Would it look different? Uh, would it have slightly different rungs, different terminology? And so that's what we produced. So we produced a paper called the B2B Effectiveness Code, which looked at, uh, which, which introduced this idea of a B2B effectiveness ladder, uh, which creates what we hope will be a sort of um, unified definition of effectiveness uh, for B2B marketers. And can you talk us through some of those um, those rungs on the ladder, as it were? Yeah, sure. So it's six rungs again. And the, the easiest way to think about it is the bottom three rungs relate in both the B2C and the B2B version relate to short-term, short-term effects of, uh, uh, of marketing communications. And the B2B version, we start at the bottom with response trigger. You know, is it, has it created some sort of response? 
Uh, then we look at lead generator and one of the think the third rung is, rung is called sales closer. So these are about, and this is where most B2B marketing plays at the moment. It's that, it's that link between uh, driving a response, creating leads, closing a sale. Nothing wrong with any of that, obviously. When we get into the top three, uh, top three rungs of the ladder, we start looking at, at longer lasting effects. So we start looking at um, level four, we've got what we call fame maker. So are we building fame for our brand outside of a very narrow audience of B2B buyers? Beyond that, we've, we've got sort of a brand builder level, which is about moving uh, moving sort of brand metrics uh, over over a, a sustained period. And then at the top, the top rung of the B2B ladder, we call strategic asset, which is a sort of creative platform that can be run over multiple years uh, and and has a sort of effect on all the on all the sort of rungs below it. So that's the top of the ladder, strategic asset. Right. And how did you decide what order they should go in? Was it a logical thing or did you have a, a lot of debate over that? What, what was the process? Yeah, it's a good question. So um, it comes from firstly analysing the types of effects that, that this sort of 435 uh, case studies that we, we identified in the what database used. And we can do that through because everything on everything we publish on Walk is very highly tagged. So uh, we've got lots of metadata around around um, our case studies so we could first of all look at the types of effects that were being driven by these campaigns Um, and that gave us a sort of initial framework Um, and then what we did just as we did with the b2c one is we took that out to um well to the b2b institute and to others in the industry to other other people look at and sort of just set checked our thinking check sense checked what we were doing and made sure that the uh the sort of ladders made made sense and 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 did sort of act as a hierarchy. Felt like, uh, you know, if you were going up the ladder, you were getting getting better and better effects. And you mentioned also that there was a B to C version of this. How different were the two in the end? Well, the, the names of the ladder uh, rungs, if you like, are slightly different between the two. Um, I would say the structure of them is quite consistent in that. The bottom three rungs of both relate to short-term measures that uh, you know are about the in immediate response to a campaign and what what happens as a result of that campaign. Uh, once you transition from level three into level four, you start to get into longer-lasting effects, and and particularly with in terms of creative brand building, you start to get brand and business effects uh, beyond level once you're up beyond level three. Right. And and it's, I mean, it's obviously a, a great tool to have this ladder in front of you, but how do you now put that into practice and convert it into effective campaigns? Yeah, it's a great question. And it's something that we're, um, we're still actively working on, if I'm honest. We've got a few, uh, a few pieces of work this year to help people understand uh, that how you get up the ladder, not just the ladder itself. Um, there's a few, I guess there's a few elements. So within the white paper, the effectiveness code, we look at the different types of creative strategy that work at different rungs of the ladder. So that's part of it. So if you know what rung you want to aim for, we've got some guidance within the white paper as to what types of strategy tend to tend to get you there. So that's partly it. We've also got this idea of creative commitment, which is around, I, I, I can explain in more detail, but um, it's around 
recognizing that to get to the upper rungs of the ladder, you need to be backing your creative work with uh, the right amounts of budget and time in market and channel mix. And then the third, the third thing I'd say, uh, and this is this is more where we're exploring now, is we see the ladder as a way to generate the right questions between client and agency. So if you if you if you're looking at if you use the, the ladder and say, well look, you know, we're we're doing well, but all our campaigns seem to top out at level three. We don't really seem to be getting into levels four, five, or six. That's the start of a conversation as to, well, why is that? Is that is that the right thing for this? Or are we is is there more we could do? Could we push this further? Is the idea that we've got sustainable over enough time that we can start generating longer lasting uh, effects? So we see it as a sort of uh, as, a, as a tool for better conversations between client and agency and a sort of a continuous improvement tool. Yeah, a great framework for just thinking about how you can uh, make the impact bigger and bigger, I suppose. Exactly. Are there any campaigns um, that you can think of off the top of your head that, that have managed to go all the way up the ladder and include all of these um, these rungs? Yeah, so we we uh, we uh, we include a few in the in the code. The two the two that are well known that we've featured in the report are um, IBM's Smarter Planet and American Express's uh, Small Business Saturday. So now both of them, they're different, they're very different in terms of campaigns, but what they've, what they've managed to do is find uh, a creative platform that can last multiple years. It, you know, they've had lots of different iterations and different, um, you know, they, they, it evolves every year in both cases, but by having a platform that can run from, uh, from year to year, the effects of that platform multiply over time. And both those campaigns have been in market for a significant period of time. Uh, and as far as we can see, based on the case studies, we've got the, 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 if the impact of them has, has compounded over, over the years. So that's why they're classed as a strategic asset. So let's talk about a couple of things to do with the ladder then. If B2B marketers know they're near the bottom uh, at this response trigger stage, what can they do to move up? And what are the winning behaviours that they should be looking at as they do go up? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, I mean, some of the things I've I've talked about. So so firstly, it's it's got to be a sort of joint decision, yeah? You know, so if you're looking at, if, if you're a client, an agency looking at this and saying, well, look, we, we're only ever getting to level three here is there more we can do that's got to be a you know a conscious decision to invest beyond level three by the brand and uh, uh, and obviously the agency needs to respond to that with ideas and uh, uh and a strategy that's that's gonna that's gonna start getting them there so it's that conversation starter that I, that I mentioned earlier once you start looking at well okay how do I go beyond that then you're, you're looking at a few different things firstly it's around I mentioned fame earlier. How are we building an audience outside of people who are in the market for our product right now? Because if you're focusing on leads and sales in the right at the at this very current moment, um, then that's a very small pool of people. So you want to, if what we're looking at in levels three, four, uh, sorry, four, five, and six, is building fame, building brand um, uh, associations 
with people who are not yet in the market to buy, but might be in the future. So um, the B2B Institute has worked with the Ehrenberg Bass Institute to develop this thing called the 95-5 rule, which basically states that 5% of your market in B2B is in the is actually actively buying at any one time, which means you've got 95% of the audience who are not buying, but they might do at some point. Um, so how are you sort of building memorability, building fame with that group uh, uh, that, that will then generate longer lasting um, sales impact? So, um, I mean, we highlight a number of different uh, uh, sort of avenues to this in the paper. Uh, I mean, it tends to be, you know, it, it won't be a surprise to you. It'll be things like, well, how do you how do you look at things like more emotional brand building? How do you use reach uh, more intelligently? Um, how do you define a wider set of uh, uh, sort of category buyers to to uh, appeal to? So, they're the sorts of things that we're looking at as you get up the ladder. And and but there's there's more specific advice in the in the report, so I'd, I'd encourage people to look through that. Absolutely, and let, let's talk about budget then. Um, often for brand marketers in B two B business, they can struggle to get uh, the money from the CFO relative to their performance marketing colleagues. Why do you think that is, and how do we overcome that? And and is there something that people can take from the ladder here that can help change that and turn it around? Yeah, I mean, it's not just B two B marketers, is it? I mean, this is a this is a problem across the industry. So, look, we know why the problem exists because it's much easier to prove a return uh, on performance marketing than than brand marketing. Even if, as we know from plenty of research, actually the strength of the brand has a direct implication on the success of the performance marketing so it's it's um we're in the we've sort of got in this position where everything is measured on uh you know whether it's like last click or 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 activity close to the point of sale even if a lot of the work's being done um you know further up the funnel if you like right now how do we start to change that well we we've done a, a whole load of work on this in the last couple of years um and I actually think one of the problems is around the term brand, which is a, a maybe a slightly heretical statement. But as soon as you use the term brand to anybody outside the marketing department, like their eyes glaze over. It's all sorts of, you know, visions of fluffy, unmeasurable stuff. <laughs> um but if you start if you start actually describing brand in different terms, then actually you can explain it in ways that um, uh, that starts to make sense to a CFO. So we did we did a piece of work last year uh, that that tried to reframe brand as future demand. So if you say I want to build the brand, it's like oh yeah, okay, fine, I'll, I'll that, that's money down the drain then. If you want to say I want to generate future demand that is going to come in, you know, so we've got dem- demand conversion right now, and then we're building future demand, and you can present it almost as a pipeline. Then, um, then actually, that's a much more credible way to talk about it. And I was at an event quite recently where um, a, a financial services, a B two B marketer from financial services, described described brand as alpha, which is a financial term, like basically, like it's sort of competitive advantage. And again, it's it's putting 
the language of brand into um, into into a uh, a context that makes that makes more sense to people outside the marketing department. Right, freshening it up and in, a, in effect rebranding brand, which is very Don Draper. I love it. Rebranding brand, <laughs> yeah, it is rebranding brand. I mean, that is the challenge. And and have you had any pushback to uh, these ideas that you're putting forward? What's been the most surprising thing for you from the report? Um, so I don't know if it, I don't know if it's surprising, but the the one thing we so if we look at the ladder, yeah. So uh, if we looked at all the case studies on walk of uh, in B two B, four hundred and thirty five of them, only five percent of those got to level six. So. Uh, that is actually a tiny proportion of the entire uh, case study set. And remember, these are effectiveness case studies. So these are already the best cam- campaigns that are out there anyway, in, or, or a sample of the best campaigns, rather than representative of the entire market. So 5% of this already hi- high-performing group of campaigns got to level six, which means there is an enormous opportunity out there for everyone else and that's it's a um uh it's it, it you know i've heard it described i heard like creative brand building be described as you know the biggest single opportunity for competitive advantage that many b2b marketers will have so i was surprised by how few were getting to the very top of the ladder and i knew it wouldn't be a, a huge number but i was surprised it was that small um, in terms of pushback, I, I don't think we've not had a lot of pushback. Actually, we, we, we've been really heartened by the reaction to the report. Um, I think where to go back to our earlier conversation, where where people have had follow up questions, it's been about this is great. I, I, I want to know how now to climb the ladder. How do I start putting it into practice? Um, uh, hence the work we're doing now. In 2021, a new creative B two B lion was launched to recognise creative excellence. In, uh, in the sector over at Cannes, uh, it's about time to do that, right? Yeah, it's the right time. But for the reasons I said earlier, you know, B- this is a really exciting time in B2B and, and Lions have, have recognised that. And, I, you know, I, just as they are, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what, what comes out on the top. And that brings us then to our rapid fire round. So I'm going to ask you some quick questions and if you can respond uh, from the gut. Uh, you can just tell us uh, what's in your head at the moment. So number one, advertising or ABM? Advertising. Logic or magic? Well, uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be annoying and just say it depends, which is the the answer <laughs> answer to most marketing questions. Fair enough, fair enough. Brand building or lead generation? Both, and it depends. <laughs> Try to have your cake and eat it. What's the problem with B two B right now? Uh, I don't know if there's a problem. I, I think there's a slight lack of confidence within the B2B sector. Not, not everywhere, but I think, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a lot of recognition of the opportunity that's out there. Uh, and I, I really want, obviously, I really want the sector to, to grab hold of that opportunity. Um, I think, hopefully, things like the, the framework we presented will help them. And with that in mind, what would Don Draper do to step in and help sort that out? He'd take the client for a very, very long lunch. <laughs> a liquid lunch, I've I, I, no doubt. Uh, and it, finally, then, if you could tell all CEOs to read one book, what would that be? Uh, well, once I've finished the effectiveness code, uh, um, I would tell them, obviously, I'd tell them to read 
how brands grow it's it's still the sort of number one uh number one most influential book in our sector good answer all it leaves me to do then is to say thank you to david tiltman for a, a really insightful fun chat thank you very glad to be here and it's been it's been great to learn all about the uh, the ladder there so i'm stuart black and see you next time on b2b needs don draper Draper.